Welcome to the program, everyone. This is Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. It is show number 36, and happy to welcome my guest to today's program, my college roommate, and he's an attorney. Jason Brenner is going to be coming up into the next segment here on the program. Uh, I'm very excited to have a friend, a longtime friend, uh, coming on the program. This is Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. I am Andrew Murata, host of the show. We've had some uh, challenges here at Neversick Media Group. My trusty, handy producer, Gavin Burt, has uh, fallen ill. So I am uh, working with Bob, who has stepped up to the plate here uh, in studio, and we are sorting through the magic of radio. Having Jason on the show uh, is going to be special for me, and we're going to meet Jason in a few minutes. And in preparing for the program, uh, Jason uh, was part of a special time in my life when I was down in North Carolina and uh, really was introduced to a whole new world, a whole new area, and really a whole new culture. So in prepping and getting ready for the show, I decided that the concept would be Carolina in my mind from the famous song by James Taylor. Bob, go ahead and cue that up. In my mind, I'm gone to Carolina. Can't you see the sunshine? Can't you just feel the moonshine? And this is kind of the unofficial song for North Carolina. It's the unofficial song uh, for a lot of the South. And and really, those words in the song made me think about a lot of my time uh, with my friend Jason and and what I've done uh, since, but really the time in in North Carolina. Uh, Jason grew up in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, near where we went to school at Guilford College, which was in Greensboro, North Carolina. And in addition to Jason, I've made some friends that I've had for a lifetime. Um, And I learned a lot down there. I I had a lot of great experiences. The warm sun, the country music, the calm spirit in the air, uh, and just the niceness of the attitude and and the culture of the people down there. I reflected on my my friendship with Jason and uh, some of the things that he's taught me over the years and uh, influences he's had on me. Uh, as a leader, as a friend, as an attorney, and now as a, a fellow father, uh, he was expecting his second child coming up here uh, in the next few months. So I jotted down some things uh, about my relationship with Jason and my friendship and things I've learned about him. And number one, academic focus. I met all types at Guilford. We live and work with all different types. Jason had a tremendous academic focus. He was always hitting the books, finding a quiet place to study, and uh, showed just a great responsibility for his schoolwork. I was always a good student, and I uh, always made sure I, I did what I had to do, but I, I never really loved it and really you know, cherished the work. Jason showed me how really to study and how important it was. He's a fun guy, and... Um, I, I had a lot of great times with him, but when it was time to study and time to do his schoolwork, Jason 
took that very seriously. On the flip side of that, one of Jason's passions, number two is jazz music. Jason uh, was part of a jazz band in concert uh, in, in Guilford uh, called Trio Con Carne. And for those that speak uh, Spanish, simply means three with meat. And we'll leave out any descriptions or definitions of that. Uh, but Jason, I'd never been exposed to jazz music before. Where I grew up in Staten Island, it was either my parents listening to the oldies or, you know, like Z100 or WPLJ for all those people that listen uh, from New York City. Uh, but Jason had a killer sound system in his room. He played the bass, that big uh, bass, just really cool. And, and he always put the music on. They, him and his roommate, John, would put out the famous cheese course. Uh, and, and yeah, just played cool jazz. I learned a lot about jazz music and learned how to kind of chill out with those guys listening to jazz music. And that brings me to my next point. Something I've learned from Jason is kind of having a, a little bit of a laid back attitude for those that know me up here in the Northeast. I'm, a, I'm in fifth gear quite often, uh, pedal to the metal and, and, and pushing. And as I've gotten older, I've learned back that up and, and learn how to relax a little bit. Uh, but Jason used to wear these Tevas sandals and I, I'd never seen them before. Again, I was usually in my basketball sneakers, but Jason had these Teva sandals and he kind of just had this laid back attitude. And while he was very serious with his schoolwork, he had a very chill side to him in terms of learning how to relax, learning how to take a deep breath and, and being comfortable, being comfortable clothes. And he shared that with me. And that's something that, uh, I've I've added to my routine is learning how to back it up a little bit and, and relaxing, which then brings me to my next point, uh, boating. I did not spend a lot of time on a boat. Uh, Jason uh, is a sailor. Jason knows how to drive a motor boat and uh, was something he used to take us out on. Him and Fernando would be captains of the boat there, but uh, Jason getting us out on that water and showing us good times out there really uh, – Really helped me learn how to relax. Another thing I've learned from uh, Jason, he spent a semester in Europe uh, with his roommate, John. And uh, Jason shared a lot of stories from that time in Europe. And, and you know, I played basketball there at Guilford and, and uh, we really couldn't couldn't study abroad. I guess I could have missed part of the basketball season, but that never entered my mind because I was, I was pumped up about the basketball at the time. But... I always liked the fact that Jason uh, did study abroad uh, for a semester. And then after college, he was one of the group of about 10, nine or 10 guys that we did go to Europe together. And I watched Jason be able to navigate uh, all the trains and really just know how to operate in Europe. I had never been before. and uh, I wouldn't say Jason was an expert, but, man, he, he knew what he was doing. And uh, that was a great trip, very memorable trip. ACC basketball. Jason grew up on Tobacco Road there in Chapel Hill. And uh, I watched from afar as a kid, but I didn't know anything about, you know, that ACC and Carolina basketball. And uh, here we just had the Duke-Carolina game this week here uh, on, on national television. But I'm sure Jason was up up close and personal watching that uh, Duke-Carolina game. And, and that was something uh, I learned from him and his friends and being in that area. Number seven, having a ferocious laugh. While, again, Jason was serious about his studies and serious about 
uh, several things in his life. He always knew how to laugh. Uh, his father, uh, very witty and, and very humorous, uh, always had a joke to tell. And even maybe in a tense situation, Jason would have uh, a great one-liner or a great timing with a joke. So uh, something I learned from him, hey, man, don't be afraid to laugh. And lastly, uh, I had a lot of friends in college, again, a group of about 10 guys that we were close with. Uh, but Jason and I, we, we had a lot of adventures. We, we took a great trip to Fort Lauderdale together where we uh, worked with his uncle uh, at a glass um, fair. We were selling uh, custom-made, homemade blown glass and uh, met a lot of different people there. We had a great, great weekend there in Fort Lauderdale. Jason and I spent a long weekend with some attorneys in Miami. Uh, his dad was there. That was an interesting trip. Uh, we spent some time together in Boston. Jason attended law school in Boston uh, College. And uh, so we had adventures, you know, road trips and, and, and different things. And uh, that's exactly what they were. You know, looking back almost 20 years ago, great adventures, great times. We never kind of knew where it was going to go. Sometimes maybe a little out of control, but I was always confident in Jason's uh, leadership and getting us through those times. So uh, just some reflections on my friendship with Jason and, and good times. And now I look at him from afar. He lives in North Carolina. Uh, he's a father. He's a leader in his company, uh, Riverbank Conservation, uh, as part of uh, Brenner & Brenner Law. And uh, he's doing great things. So I look forward to getting to talk to him here in the next segment. Stay tuned, everybody. We'll be right back here on Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving with today's guests attorney, and my college roommate, Jason Brenner. Welcome back to the program, everyone. This is Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. My name is Andrew Murata, host of the show. It is show number 36, and super excited, super happy, and, and very proud to have on my good friend, Jason Brenner. Jason, welcome, Andrew. welcome to the program, my friend. Thank you. Thanks for having me. A lot of good times I spoke about in the opening segment. Uh, I'm sure it made you reminisce. Oh, it sure did. <laughs> sure did. Yeah, Jason, this is a, a PG show, maybe PG-13, so uh, certainly some of the R-rated stuff we might have to leave out, uh, but my man Bob here does have the mute button just in case. Ten four, my friend. <laughs> well, Jay, it's uh, exciting. You know, who knew twenty years ago uh, we'd have you on a radio show talking about some good times? But Jason, what what did our time together at Guilford mean to you? We were there ninety. What was it ninety two, ninety three to ninety seven? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Look, looking well, back, looking back, we had some great friends. What What did it mean to you, Jay? Let me Let me first say that as I go about my life you know, in Chapel Hill, um, traveling for work, traveling with family. Um, I often think about how successful all of us have been coming out of Guilford and how there was something, um, I don't know, intangible about our friendships and what we all did there that has been important and meaningful in our lives. And I, I often just stop myself and think about how uh, <clears throat> happy I am that, all, all of our good friends from Guilford are doing so well in their, you know, in their families, in their work, and in life in general. So, I would say the first thing that that um, 
strikes me about our time at Guilford was it really, you know, equipped us to, you know, be successful in life. And I'm, I'm grateful for that. Um, and certainly you and I, um, you know, benefit from that. And, and it served us very well. So that would be the first thing. Yeah, it's amazing uh, the the variety of the friendships. But yes, I agree. All all very successful in in their own personal lives. You know, you you yeah, absolutely, you, absolutely. Um, you know, I think about things you've done which inspire me. Um, you know, your repping, your involvement with athletics. Our other friends like Kevin and Chris do such interesting things, also with athletics, and John and Fernando and Al and everyone. It's uh, and probably you know more importantly. We all have wonderful families, um, and, and we're all grateful for that. So, uh, you know, rather simple, but, uh, you know, sometimes the simplest things in life, life are the best things. And we've all really, really been blessed. We've met a couple of these guys on the show, and uh, we will be having them on uh, throughout the next year or so. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to that. Jason, mentioning families, uh, you have a beautiful daughter, uh, Beatrice, your, your wife, uh, Allison, and you have your second child on the way. Uh, tell we me, do. That's right. Tell me about that, Jason. I'll tell you that uh, the most fun I'm having that I've been having the past couple weeks, our daughter B is uh, a little more than three, she's about three and a half, is breaking the news to her that she's going to have a, a brother or a sister. It's, it's so fun because she she might understand maybe 75% of it, of the prospect of having you know a brother or sister, but... Some of it she doesn't understand, so I'll talk to her about it, and she'll get excited, and then she'll go right back to, you know, ABC Mouse or something. So it's, it's been a really fun experience breaking the news to her. And I know that you had the, had the pleasure of having that with your kids, Drew, but uh, I, really, I really had a lot of fun with that the past couple of weeks. And you know what, Jay? You know what you can tell her? What's that? She's a BSB, baby. Big <laughs> sister, baby. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Just like our friend, uh, uh, the sports cap. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but she'll be the BSB, the big sister, and uh, we wish you the best with that. I know the timing of that, Jason, is going to be a little tight because we do have our annual get-together in August. Uh, We're going to be out Lake Tahoe this summer, and uh, I hope you're going to be able to be there with us, but I know your first priority is with your family. Of course, of course. It it seems like we have good news on that front, though, because I think the due date after a recent ultrasound was calibrated a little forward. So okay. there may be about 10 days between the delivery and our get together. So I like it. Look, looks positive. Looks favorable. <laughs> Jason, uh, I know you heard the opening segment, you know, Carolina in my mind and that James Taylor song. And, uh, you know, certainly your family, Chapel Hill, growing up North Carolina, uh, you know, you and I spent a lot of time both in the North and the South and, and comparing you know, you had a great experience at Boston College, Jason. But but tell me, what what was it about the time in the North that that made you realize you you do want to get back to that that Carolina and the, and, and the and the area near where you grew up? Tell me tell me about that your time in the North. Sure, sure. There's probably a real simple answer, but then there's maybe a more compl- complicated answer. The simple answer would be what a lot of people would say, which is the weather. Um, it's just after doing grad school and then working a bit in Boston. Uh, the weather really kind of got to me, particularly literally the early spring when it would be, you know, 70, 75 and sunny in North Carolina, but, you know, 40 and maybe even icy in, in Boston um, in the city. That was just kind of tough because it wasn't what I was used to. Um, so, have, you know, that was probably the simple answer. The more complex answer would have something to do with the lifestyle 
that we have here in North Carolina. It was kind of exemplified in what, what uh, you shared with me before our program today, which is that you were headed to the studio and there was a, you know, a bunch of snow and you were stuck in traffic, it seemed, and you were running late. And I'm, I'm here in my you know, conference room in my office kicking my feet up. It's pretty sunny. I'm looking at, I'm looking at campus right now. Uh, I've had a pretty relaxed week, so it's kind of more the tenor of life and the pace um, was just something I preferred down here. Um, and that I could, you know, I could share a lot of different aspects of that, but basically it has to do with uh, um, what our expectations are about um, time and, and we have less traffic, uh, practical things like that. So, uh, you know, the simple thing would be, uh, the weather and the more complicated thing or the, the uh, more involved thing would be the, the many different aspects of how um, we just have a pleasant uh, and very nice quality of life down here. And that's something that, that registered greatly with me. Uh, you know, I fell in love with that King, North Carolina area. Uh, oh, I remember that. Yeah. You, you were very much uh, uh, charmed by King and it thought about uh, you and your, you know, your, I guess she was your fiance at the time, Jen. Uh, thinking about um, maybe kind of laying down roots there. Almost, almost. Yeah, uh, you literally know. almost. But uh, I, I certainly I can identify with that. But uh, you know, just last week, Jason, the Super Bowl. Did you have? Were you still rooting for your your Pats up there? Were you rooting for the Patriots? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, my Boston fandom certainly uh, waned. And uh, when my wife and I moved to Seattle for her to get her PhD, I really took up an interest in the Seattle pro teams. So um, they really displaced any New England fandom. I was rooting for, for your Eagles, if I may. There you go. I know, I know you're a gents man, but I was rooting for uh, Philly, certainly. Jason, another thing I touched on in the opening segment was your love for the water, being on the boat, and, and uh, what that does for you personally, what it did for me, you know. Do you make time in your life now? Again, you're you're a busy attorney. You're a father. Do you make time to be out there on the, on the sea? And and what does that time do for you and your wife? Mm, thank, thanks for asking that question. I first say that being on my boat is uh, and being on boats in general is my is my favorite thing to do. That's a hobby. Uh, you know, you you have a lot of hobbies yourselves. Our friends do too. Some people like golf. Tennis, et cetera, et cetera. And I do do some of those things, but being on the boat is far and away the thing I enjoy the most and I've spent free time uh, doing. So we have a great family time on the boat. Uh, you know, be my wife and I and our friends. Um, and, uh, you know, we do, do both the salt water and the fresh water, uh, the salt water at the North Carolina coast and the fresh water at Lakes here. Uh, and it's, it's a great time, but I'll tell you something that is um, something that's, that, that's it's kind of dawned on me over the past few years, and that is that things I have learned on sailboats and powerboats and the trips I've taken um, have really served me well in my work life, in my life in general. You learn lessons if you spend a long time on boats. If you spend, let's say, a week on a, uh, you know, on a sailboat making a long passage, you learn certain ways that people react to things. You learn things about how people respond kind of in a challenge, if you will. And over time, I really think that all the time I've spent on boats has helped me in my law practice, for instance, gauging how groups of people work and respond to stress, um, gauging people's kind of technical um, perspective on things. These are all things I kind of 
soaked in, you know, over many years on a boat, and it's really dawned on me recently how valuable that's been apart from enjoying it, but valuable uh, as far as um, the work that I do. I don't know if that makes sense, but it's kind of, it's another thing that's kind of crept up on me as I've, uh, you know, approached my 20-year uh, anniversary in law practices. Um, it's a valuable thing. It it does, Jason. And again, I, I've been lucky enough firsthand to, to watch you in that mode. You know, I, I talked about your academics and how you dove in that at, at Guilford, but, you know, watching you and Fernando run the boat and, and, you know, basically being captains and kind of directing us. And we've watched when things went wrong. And, and but I really, I, I mean, I've seen you enjoy a lot of things over the years, but to really watch you enjoy the work to, to then produce that great experience that we've had out there is, is something that I've cherished, but that's a great point that you bring up about, you know, things on a boat and, and sp- spending that extended time. It's great. Yeah. Being on board will bring out things in people. And if you really are keen on observing that you can learn a lot about how certain, how human beings interact with each other and what uh, people's natures might be. And it's, uh, it's invaluable. And it's, again, it's, it's really occurred to me how, uh, how useful that's been in other areas of, of of life for me. You know, it's one thing I learned, Jason. Uh, certainly, you cannot take an occupied dinghy. I've learned that. <laughs> oh, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. That doesn't that's go right. over we, well. We've learned that, haven't we? <laughs> yeah. We had the early wake-up that morning. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh-huh. Hey, Jason, before we take a, a break, one more question. You know, I talked about the academics, and, and you know I'm a high school principal by day. And uh, uh, where where did that really you know importance of your education and your your um, your your discipline in creating that time to study and your, your focus? Where would you say that came from? Uh, you know, as you were growing up, uh, you know, and and like where did you get that discipline to be a good student from? You know, I have a very direct answer to that, and it's reminiscent of one of my very good friends and uh, business partners, Adam Rigsby who I think has a similar uh, story, and that is that at various times in high school, um, I didn't take my studies that seriously. I was kind of one of those students who teachers would say, you've got a lot of potential and you're, you know, you, there's more you can realize. And so as I made, made my way through high school and then got to Guilford, I felt like I had, you might say, some sort of pent-up energy or really a desire to take it to the next level. It seems to me that, you know, in the 21st century, a lot of American uh, kids, you know better than I do being in education, but they work so hard in high school that, you know, college might be an extension of that, or it's just part of the course. For me, it was kind of like hitting the ground running when I got to college. There was, there was a lot of energy I had, and so I really ran with that throughout the, the four years at Guilford um, and then took that in directly into law school, uh, that same discipline. So it wasn't – I've noticed that for some, you know, young people, they – it seems like they spend so much energy in high school meeting expectations, and then they might get, in, get involved in problems at, at, in university or college and um, don't um, do as well as they may, did, may have done earlier. For me, it was the opposite. I um, had a lot of um, energy, again, at Guilford and then at uh, law school, so it was more of an arc than it was a falling off. And I, just, I really just frankly had a ton of energy to do that. And a lot of discipline, I, you know, I, I knew I wanted to go to law school. I knew I wanted to be an attorney. I knew I wanted to go straight from college to uh, law school. And that's what I was going to do, and I went ahead and did it. And um, as you mentioned earlier, the opening segment, 
I had a great time, great friends, um, and I didn't sacrifice anything in the way of enjoying myself, but I certainly did uh, have a lot of discipline. Um, And I will just say parenthetically, I was always inspired by you, Kevin, Chris, and my athlete friends' discipline. Um, This is getting a little bit uh, far afield, but when I hear about athletic scandals now uh, in the college ranks, I think about y'all, and I think about how disciplined y'all were in season. And I think to myself, I even tell people this sometimes, I say some of my best friends, when it was, you know, in season, those guys were on point, um, not staying out too late, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So what are these, you know, what are these athletes doing now um, who don't seem to have the same discipline that y'all manifested? So um, that's, a, that's a little bit of a reflection on what I, you know, what I took and learned from y'all. Yeah, and you look at I that. I guess that's a way to say in our own way, all of us were disciplined. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I always admired it about you. I, I you know, just you, you'd be in there studying. I said, man, this guy is really dedicated to to his studies. And, and I mean, and it looks where you are now. You know, we try to teach uh, the kids in high school. If you put the time and you put the work in, it's going to pay off, and it certainly has for you. But that's good perspective from from you looking at us in terms of athletics and balancing it all. So mm-hmm. great right. stuff. Yeah, Jay, we uh, we do have to take a commercial break. Uh, We will be right back with today's guest, Jason Brenner, here on Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. Welcome back, everyone. This is Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. This is the show concept, Carolina, in my mind, with today's guest, Jason Brenner. Jason is an attorney, a father, and he happens to be my college roommate. Having a great time with him on the program today. Jason, we talked about your personal life a little bit, your your time at Guilford or our time at Guilford. And uh, I do want to touch on your role as an attorney now and your professional life um, in the part of the show, you know, education, leadership and beyond. Jay, uh, you know, you mentioned law school and uh, the famous LHB. Your father, Mr. Brenner, uh, is an attorney. You know, is that what drew you to wanting to be an attorney? What was it about the law? What drew you to that area? Probably, uh, you know, having dad as an attorney was a good example, a positive example of someone in the profession. Um, You know, both a a very good lawyer and somebody who enjoys life, laughs and, and doesn't take things too seriously. But I would say I, I had a, a, a pretty firm concept in my mind when I was younger about why I wanted to go into law, and that was to uh, – it sounds simple, but I really wanted to help people and, you know, make a difference. And, again, that sounds simple, but I really had that, those concepts in my mind, be it, you know, help um, people who are struggling find legal solutions to their problems, uh, you know, legally work to advance causes that I thought were important, all those kinds of things. and. Um, really, Guilford supported those notions, Guilford being a pretty service, service-oriented school. So um, at that point in my life, I really had that, uh, those, those concepts as uh, motivating, uh, you know, forces to go to law school. And in terms of helping people along those lines, you're working for a pretty interesting company right now. Uh, once you tell the listening audience, what is it exactly that you're doing now uh, as an attorney? Okay, so in my environmental legal work, uh, we find uh, sites, like environmental sites, that have been degraded. They've got pollutants on them. 
um, old products, uh, 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 streams that have been diverted, and we, we acquire those sites, we buy those sites, we deal with the landowners and we um, uh, acquire rights to the sites, and then we do a lot of engineering work to improve them. Uh, we restore them to a better state, and once we do that and we, we achieve that and the government uh, gives us the thumbs up, we then are able to um, kind of sell the benefits to other developers who are impacting the environment. So it's a, it's the, the way we do it is we will get credits for the good work we did, and we can in turn sell those credits to big companies uh, or other people who um, somehow impact the environment to offset what they're doing. It's the, the, the essence of what we do is based upon uh, this concept called no net loss, meaning uh, in the United States we don't want to have any net loss of our uh, river and wetland uh, resources. So people like us will improve the environment. And then when other people uh, impact the environment unavoidably, importantly, it's not someone just, you know, uh, going out and, and wrecking something. It's if they have some development that they've minimized all the impact they can, but there's some leftover part uh, of their development that causes a bit of a harm to the environment, we are able to sell the good work we did to offset that. And that offset, that process is called mitigation, and more specifically, mitigation banking. And the name of the company, Jason, that you're doing this with? So uh, I, I do the work with Riverbank Conservation, which is based in Texas um, and uh, operates in Texas, other areas of the Southwest, and some other parts of the country. Um, but most of us are in Texas. I'm the one person who's in North Carolina. And Jason, along those lines, as your goal as a, as a young person, when you thought about this, do you feel now that you're in it, you know, that you are making a positive impact and helping the environment and, I mean, really helping the world? Yeah, let me give you, I think it's going to be a three-part answer, but I think they're going to be three pretty simple concepts. Um, number one, everything that we do and every benefit that we are able to achieve is really, really heavily reviewed by a whole bunch of different agencies and government actors and others. And so my, I'm no engineer. I'm, I'm, of course, the lawyer on the team. But um, the best I can say is if various layers of environmentalists and engineers have approved what, what we do, that's kind of the gold standard, right? Um, that's, that's the best that I could say we can do, which is that various people and various agencies and experts have approved uh, the, the environmental benefit we've created. So that kind of feels good, I'll say. Um, backing that up, one thing I do not get through my environmental work, but I've gotten in other things I've done in law over the years, is I do not get that, you know, human being to human being uh, experience, such as somebody coming into your office, you know, and saying, you know, man, I've got a big problem. <clears throat> you know, they're going to foreclose my house, for instance, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And my family's going to get, you know, thrown out on the street. And I've done a lot of that kind of work as far as, you know, person-to-person and community. Um, and that's a benefit. And I'm still able to do it in some of my efforts now, my non-environmental work. But that has been something that I've had the privilege to do throughout my career. and definitely makes me feel like I've fulfilled that and those goals that I had years ago about helping people. And I still do it. I do pro bono work. I enjoy it. And it's one of the great things about being a lawyer. But the third thing I'll say that I didn't know when I was younger, is I've absolutely enjoyed and I'm really proud of 
for, with the Riverbank Group, building that business with some good friends. The people who started the, the company about 10 years ago are some of my best friends, and kind of growing that business um, over the years, it's, I'm, I'm proud of it. You know, it's, everybody's doing well, and they're, they're good friends. they got good families, and we've kind of done it together. So that was a nice benefit that I didn't really know about, you know, at age 19, 20, 21, the ability to go out in the business world, start something, and run with it for many years. Even if you look at just the website, Jason, just doing a little research, getting ready for the show, the people look, they look happy. The, the whole thing, oh, they're, they're bright pictures, they're, they're, they're you know, they're just, the whole thing looked very positive, just looking at it from afar. Yeah, it is, it is. It's, uh, it's positive and it's also a nice role for an attorney to work essentially with kind of engineers and people in business rather than, you know, strictly lawyers, which a lot of attorneys are in the position of doing that of uh, having the world kind of uh, dominated by attorneys and judges. I have the good fortune to have a world that also includes uh, engineers and technical people, scientists, people in finance, uh, and that kind of thing. And Jason, and you and I have talked over coffee about this next question. You know, I live and die by by a school bell, uh, by a clock in the, in the refereeing games, and, um, you know, a lot of time management I help other principals with in terms of the flow of their day and the flow of, of work and energy, you know, for you, again, I talked in the opening concept about your easygoing nature and kind of the Tevas and, the, and you know, what those represent, you know, how do, how do you design your day, Jay? Do, you know, do you like to get a lot of your work done in the morning? Uh, you know, t- tell me about the design and the, and the workflow of your day. Okay. I'm going to tell you, uh, how my day generally goes, and I'm going to be very candid, uh, and I hope it comes off the right way. And you'll see what I what I mean when I spin this out, and that is that I start every morning in the hot tub at my house. Yes, and uh, I believe and you send pic- I believe you send pictures every once in a while. Yeah, so I, <laughs> I hope you and, and the audience can kind of take this the right way because uh, it's a part of me being productive. But I wake up at dawn and I get in the hot tub. It's a saltwater hot tub, mind you. And it's outside in my, in my backyard, and I, it's just me. I, you know, I kind of wake up before my wife and daughter, and I'll just kind of um, spend time in the hot tub and let my mind kind of work into the day, right? Like, what are my goals? What cases do I have? Who am I going to meet? You know, what are my objectives? And it's not, it's not intentional. It kind of just comes to me. It's very relaxing. And I'll wind up you – know, I'll spend about a half hour, and I'll watch the sunrise uh, over by campus, and then I'll start going about my day. I'm generally the one who takes my daughter to school, that I, which I love. We have, we have fun. We go to school. And then I'm at the office. So I'm kind of really, I must say, executing some of the ideas that I generated in the hot tub. <laughs> so I'll work a pretty good day, uh, be very productive. Our office is kind of in right downtown Chapel Hill. So yeah, a lot of, there's a lot of action. People be coming by. There are a lot of restaurants, things to do for lunch, meetings, that kind of thing. And then I'll knock off mid-afternoon generally, and then I'll um, – I'll go work out or I'll go running. Um, I, I find that that really enhances my productivity and I'll kind of reflect upon uh, what I worked on that day, you know, later in the afternoon. And again, that, that really enhances my productivity. And then, you know, later on, close of the day, I'll pick my daughter up and we'll get together as a family, have dinner. Sometimes I'll do some work at night if the spirit moves me. Uh, and that kind of tends to be my weekday. So it really is a, an early, early rising, but you know, relaxing experience, work through the day, and then later in the day, uh, generally go running or work out to kind of 
process what I did. And uh, th- those are my days in Chapel Hill when I'm not traveling, when I'm not, you know, abroad for work. And I, they tend to be really productive, but they are not a classic, you know, uh, nine to six kind of day. It's more of a, it's more of like a dawn to mid-afternoon flow, if that makes sense. I like it. I like it. And Jason, yeah. you know, talking about leadership, you know, a lot of people analyze and discuss, you know, great leaders and, and inventors and good people, their morning routine. So if that's something that's working for you, uh, that's great. That's a that's a, an awesome thing, the saltwater hot tub. I like it. Yeah, saltwater hot tub, watching the sunrise. Jay, um, you know, the name of the show, you've heard it. I know you've listened. I know you like to listen from afar. Um, talking about leadership and your role, you know, how do you demonstrate leadership in your job? And, and you know, what are some of the important components of, of leadership that you like to make sure that you use uh, as, a, as an attorney and as someone, you know, working in that company? Well, we've been fortunate over going on 20 years to have so many uh, pleasant, talented young people work with us, be they, you know, law students at UNC undergrads at UNC, young lawyers, and that kind of thing. So I've really been fortunate to work with just dozens and dozens of great young people. And that's one of the things I enjoy the most is kind of working with um, that energy, you know, and, that, and people in that part of their career. I, there are many things I could say that I hope to deploy as a, as a leader or, you know, an attorney mentor. But I would say the fundamental thing is I really – very important to me to treat people as uh, fellow human beings. Uh, it seems like in the 21st century, you know, it's, a lot of people have the misfortune of having employers who don't really value them, who don't seem to deal with them fairly, who demand things, uh, uh, unfortunately, from people. But I really try and treat the people who I work with in our own team um, as respected people and um, make them feel supported. Uh, and uh, be mindful of their workload and their stress levels so that they're, uh, they're not overwhelmed. Uh, and, and it's really really try and treat them fairly, I think. And I, that's something I've tried to do throughout my career. I think it's worked well for me because we've had people work with us for many years. We've, we've kept up in touch with people. I'm always happy to see, you know, the career evolution of, you know, young lawyers who've worked with us. So really, it's it's treating people fairly, I think, um, and it's worked for me. And um, it it sometimes seems to me, um, unfortunately, a little bit of a counterpoint to what a lot of people experience in in our country, you know, in the 21st century. And I try and kind of be a light of uh, of um, uh, you know fair dealing with the people who work work with us. I like it, Jay. Jay, we are up on the rapid-fire portion of the show. I know this is a fan favorite. Uh, and, you know, just the quick answer, the thing that comes to your mind quickest. Uh, if you need to expand, you know, you certainly can expand upon a couple. But rapid-fire, are you ready? Great. Let's do it. Best Guilford memory? Mm, PG version or uh, <laughs> let's uh go. Version. Let's go PG-13. Um, I would say um, the last concert I played as a jazz musician, Ooh. senior year, we played a great gig, and I loved it. Nice. Nice. I love the jazz. The thing you like to make fun of me the most? 
Oh, it's got to be the Staten Island accent. <laughs> Yo, how you doing? <laughs> Yo, forget about it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Best athlete in UNC history after Michael Jordan. Oh, what a great question. You know, you may not be the best, but I loved watching Jackie Manuel. Um, great defender, really lanky athletic, even had a bit of an NBA career. Didn't have the best shot, but I, he, he was, his athleticism was pretty high. Theo Pinson, by the way, this year reminds me a bit of Jackie Manuel. You like that, huh? I thought you might go James Worthy, Sam Perkins. Uh-huh. You know, yeah, Jackie and Theo might not be the, quote, best, unquote, athletes after Jordan, but I, just, I really like their speed. I like watching them play. I think you touched on this already, but go ahead. Best thing about living in North Carolina? Uh, my first answer is going to be family because, you know, most of my family lives here. Best thing about living in Boston? Mm, uh, the city in the summer. Yes. Great times. Get some chowder? Mm-hmm, sometimes some, yeah. yeah. Last movie you saw? That was the new Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. Last book you read? Well, I got two books in the nightstand. One is your book that I'm making my way through, and the other is called How to Plan a Crusade, which is a really interesting book by a historian at Oxford that describes how the Crusades were very intentional and that there's a misconception that the medieval period was, was so full of irrationality. Interesting. Yeah, it's an interesting book. Favorite lawyer movie? Man, I'm going to pull a lawyerly answer and say it's a TV show. It's L.A. Law. I really, as a kid, I like watching L.A. Law. I like the one with Tom Cruise and uh, Jack Nicholson. You can't yeah, handle the truth. Yeah, as far as movies, that's probably my favorite. Um, but I really like watching L.A. Law series. Hardest thing about law school? Constant studying. You were good at that. Yeah, it's good enough, but there are a lot of people who are as good or better. I mean, everybody studies very hard in law school. What made you pick Boston College? Well, my dad went there, and I really wanted, growing up in North Carolina, I wanted to go up north and live in a city and kind of do that. It kind of, as you mentioned earlier, it emerged from studying abroad. I was in London. I loved living in a big city, so I kind of wanted to do that in an American city. Great job, Jason. we got to take a break. We'll be back, everyone, here on Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. Welcome back, everyone. This is Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. It is show number 36. My name is Andrew Murata, host of the show, and today's guest is Jason Brenner. Jason is an attorney with Riverbank Conservation and Brenner and Brenner Law. Uh, And he also happens to be my college roommate from our days back at Guilford College in Greensboro, North Carolina. A quick recap of the opening segment. I reflected uh, on my times with Jason. Uh, So many good times and, and some of the things I've learned from him over the years. Number one, have great, tremendous uh, academic focus. Number two, Jason introduced me to jazz music, kind of taught me how to relax a little bit. Number three, it's okay to be laid back a little bit and, and, and catch your breath. Number four, boating. Never had been out much on a boat and that world of sailing and boating. Number five, went to Europe with Jason uh, and, and my first European trip there. 
Number six, learned about Tobacco Road in, in North Carolina and the, and the basketball culture down there. Number seven, don't be afraid to laugh. And number eight, take those great adventures. And I shared some of those uh, PG-13 versions of the, our adventures together uh, with my friend Jason. And I'd like to welcome him back in. Jason, here in, locally in Port Jervis in the Milford area, you know we have the Delaware River. And uh, it is big business up here. It is big beauty. It is a big part of these communities. Um, Port Jervis specifically has been looking into developing a water park uh, the past several years. Our mayor has been integral in that and, and leading those discussions. As an outsider looking in, into, you know, what advice would you offer the leaders here in, in Port Jervis and, and how to move forward with such a project uh, here on the Delaware River in uh, Northeast PA and Orange County, New York? So, Andrew, I have a question for you first, and that is by water parks, you mean kind of a recreational area that will use water from the river or somehow uh, discharge water into the river? Correct. Uh, yeah, I believe like kayaking and, and you know, action sports uh, on, the, on, the, on the river and on the river banks, yeah. Okay, so using the river itself, not building a structure that, that uses the water and then discharges it back into the river. Uh, that's a good question, Jason. That's more of a question for the mayor. I'm not 100% sure, and, and, and uh, I don't know how far along they are. Uh, so I'm sorry, I, I don't have the specific answer for that. Okay, so if we assume that it's uh, kind of a common, a plan that I see commonly to build kind of a park, a town park, right uh, on the river bank, that would use kind of the amenities of the river uh, and allow people to get out on the river. Um, Here's some thoughts. Uh, I've worked on these kinds of projects before. And the number one thought, I was thinking about this when um, we discussed me coming on, would be to um, for the town to look for and make sure that they have a very good and trusted con- environmental consultant on the project. The obvious, you know, as you know, Andrew, and um, we got into a little bit uh, earlier in the show, um, the 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 uh, kind of the water impact industry um, is is pretty big, and there are a lot of different roles that people play, and there's a a, a profession of people who are consultants to people who are going to uh, impact the river. In other words, the town will will likely hire a consultant, may have hired a consultant already to talk about what the environmental ramifications will be uh, uh, under, I guess, New York and New Jersey law, or the, the relevant law, Pennsylvania law, as well as federal law. And I, uh, a lot of my friends are consultants. I know a lot of consultants in the industry. And that kind of point of contact, it's very important to have a, an effective consultant and a very uh, well-trusted consultant. So that would be my first uh, observation. I kind of tend to work a little bit downstream, uh, no pun in intended. Process, of course, in the process from the consultants. In other words, uh, a, a town that has, is looking to build their park will have worked with a consultant, and then they'll come to us and say, the consultant has advised we need to do the following. And it's important that the relationship uh, between the town and the consultant be a good one, and the consultant be experienced, and the consultant uh, be tr- uh, trusted by the town. So that's number one. And assuming that that's the case, uh, the second thing would be, it sounds like the town's um, plan to have a park with kayaking is a, is a pretty benign impact on the river. 
So there might not be that much that would need to be done. I bet, and this would be similar to a project I've done with a larger city here in North Carolina, there's probably going to be something having to do with putting an easement over the riverbank area um, that might already be town property or might be owned by another group. So the town, will, of course, want to uh, engage in the easement process the right way um, and uh, think about how much it wants to allocate funding-wise for that. And then, uh, finally, design the site plan in a way that is very mindful of the fact that the regulators are going to uh, insist that the impact to the river be minimized and that anything that remains, any impact that remains after all measures have been taken to minimize that impact, uh, the, the regulators are going to insist that it be mitigated. So that's a, kind of a complex way of saying have as little an impact on harming the river, have it make, impose as small a harm on the river as possible and maximize uh, uh, kind of the plan in harmony with what's already on the riverbank, if that makes sense. That's a great explanation, Jason, and I'm going to see at minimum if we can, you can uh, at least have a conversation with the leadership up here uh, to see where they're at, and, and uh, maybe we'll get you guys involved. Jason, we sure. have uh, we have a, a very quick, you know, 30 seconds, um, and this might be hard to answer in 30 seconds, but listening from my high schoolers out there that listen to the program, what advice, Jason, would you give to any high schooler that might be listening that might think they want to go to uh, law school? Uh, done right, law, uh, law can be a tremendous career. There's so many different opportunities. It could be a trial lawyer, you can be a corporate lawyer, you can work for the government, you can kind of be a small business person, you can uh, work with engineers, you can work with doctors, uh, you can work in corporate America. So it's an exceptionally uh, versatile degree and done right. It's a wonderful career. I've really enjoyed my career. I'm very pleased with where I am. The one thing that a lot of people think about in the 21st century is what kind of financial investment do you want to make in your legal career, meaning you know, law school loans. And that's an important kind of calibration. It is uh, uh, how much are you willing to invest and how much risk are you willing to take on in order to fund your education. And that's an individual decision for everybody based on, you know, their family, what they have in play. But uh, it's de- it can definitely be, and I've seen this with a lot of friends, a lot of classmates, a lot of colleagues, it can be a wonderful career. The important thing to uh, bear in mind in the first five to ten years of your career is how much loan debt do you want to take on to fund your career. Jason, I appreciate you making the time to uh, come on uh, the program and uh, looking forward to uh, Brenner number two joining the family. Yeah, I look forward to uh, getting together, Andrew. Very soon, my friend. We're going to end on a quote uh, that you gave us for the show, and it's the North Carolina state motto, to be rather than to seem. And that was given to us by Jason Brenner. Jason, all the best to you. Thank you, my friend. Love you, bro. Love you too. All right. Next week's guest coming up is the founder of the Good Dad Project, now called the Dad's Edge. He runs a podcast. He's an author. A great program has helped me uh, a lot as a father. Larry Hagner will be next week's guest on Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. Signing off here on the program. Thanks to Jason Brenner for joining us. That's all, everyone. Go out and change the world for the better.